This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Elephant. As a listener of this show, I'm pretty sure you've already embraced technology and practice efficiencies, but sometimes it's hard to find training in those areas. Some of you look to your state societies to get CPE credit, but those tend to be tax or audit focused and quite frankly, from what I've heard, pretty boring. Thankfully, our friends at Elephant have created education for tech-savvy accountants and bookkeepers like yourself. They offer training on platforms like Xero, QuickBooks, and Zapier. Webinars on topics like cryptocurrency and firm marketing have all-star instructors who not only understand technology, but are using it to run their own practices. And just for you, Elephant is a special offer for Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners. Visit elephanttraining.com slash CAP. That's E-L-E-F-A-N-T training.com slash CAP to receive 50% off your first webinar. Again, that's elephanttraining.com slash CAP for 50% off your first webinar. Elephant, building better practices one bite at a time. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, a show for accountants and bookkeepers using cloud technology to make their jobs more strategic and impactful. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, how's it been? I feel like uh, I, I feel like I went on vacation for a couple days, but it feels like it's been forever. <laughs> it has magically become fall here in Los Angeles. It is cooling down. I can ride my bike. I'm not sweating. Uh, this is why we live in LA. It's amazing. Living the dream. Awesome. Should we jump in? Let's do it. What do you got? All right. So um, I don't know. This is a little bit UK focused. Um, I don't know how many of you have been following, but the UK has a mandate that as of um, April 2019, April 1st, 2019, uh, all the VAT um, taxes need to be uh, making tax digital. And so what they've done, they have a bigger uh, initiative in the UK that's going to make all taxes and interactions with the government when it comes to financial information, digital. And uh, I remember QuickBooks Connect at the UK a little while ago. The person that's driving that effort gave like a keynote. And it was very like a Silicon Valley, like super dreamy. Like, like you wanted to like move to the UK just so you could be part of this making text digital effort. That's how dreamy it was. Um, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. So yeah. ma- making text digital. So what, what does that actually mean? So that means... Filing taxes, no, you can't use paper anymore. You've got to file electronically. That, that's the short answer. Yes, they're getting rid of all paper. There was something else in there, right? About or or some some. We were talking to somebody about this in Australia, where they're they're doing something similar. They've got they've got to do it with with software, right? You can't just go online and fill out a form. Is that right? Exactly. So I think in Australia, we're talking about this. It was uh, they have one touch payroll, which would be like filing your nine forty one every single time you cut a paycheck. And paying your your uh, wow. payroll liabilities, and so that's something that nobody's going to do that by hand. So it's going to have to be done with software. And so if you look at the article, which is interesting about this article, the title: "A fifty three percent of accountants say their clients are ready for the this launch of making tax digital," but it, which is actually higher than I would have expected, um, just based on the pace of change, right, to new software. And I I think because this is a survey. Right of the clients, and actually, what, the reason I feel I, I'm really suspect of it is if you get down deeper in the article, it talks about the. Uh, and I'll, I'll read this this quote exactly. Currently, there are more than 50 software providers that already have recognized compliant software. This is some way short of the 150 providers who have said they will provide software that's compliant. So, there's a disconnect, right? Like, how can so many people be ready? or say their clients are ready if a lot of the software providers still are not ready. Like Mm -hmm. either A, they're switching everybody to the software providers that are, or 
accountants are just not estimating the real effort here and maybe aren't as ready as they think they are. So this would be an interesting one to watch, like, you know, as the turn of the year comes and as April 1st comes, you know, is, is making tax digital become big April's fool's joke? You know, this could be a, it's just one to watch. So it's just a, yeah. and, and I think it's reasons to watch because I know states, like a lot of states are starting to go down this path right here in the U.S. So it's, I think it's one to watch on um, these requirements and how they roll out and how people actually implement and uh, comply. Ultimately, yeah, uh, at most about half are there. They've got six months to go. We'll see what happens uh, in six months. And, and some were confident. Some of their clients, uh, one in seven said none of their clients would be ready. So so, <laughs> so if some clients, wow. so, some say that they're fully ready and then some are saying none will ever make it in time. Well, I've got an article that appeared in Entrepreneur called Outsource Everything But Accounting, Quality Control and Sales. And this is by uh, a couple that that does entrepreneurial writing, speaking uh, for folks who are entrepreneurs, right, advising them. Uh, and of course, this article caught my attention because they say, you shouldn't outsource accounting. And I worked in outsourced accounting and I had a firm that did outsourced accounting. So I'm wondering, well, what's their argument here? I think you can outsource accounting. So basically, their argument is that things are happening much too fast in a fast-growing business, in a startup, to be dependent on reports that are a month or even two weeks old. You need to know what's happening daily. Uh, and they give an example of a, a critical report that they had in their startup days called the Cliff Report. And it was basically a cash flow projection that just told them how far they were from the financial cliff that represented bankruptcy, right? how much runway they had before they would go off that, that cliff. So they say that um, if, if you're starting a business, don't outsource, hire a really good in-house cost accountant, and that person will give you the reports that you need timely in order to you know, run your business effectively. That could be expensive, right? If I'm a newer startup or you know I'm a new small business, so I, I think this really should be rephrased, reframed of outsource to the correct person, right? Well, yeah, and that so that's what that's what struck me about this is so the the writers are basically saying that, and maybe this is from experience, and maybe this is where the profession has failed, that it's impossible to get critical numbers in a timely manner from an outsourced accountant. That's a quote. I think that's not the case anymore. If you're using the right technology, if you're in the cloud, then you can absolutely get those numbers to your client by the 10th of the month. But, you know, the problem is that we've got just so many folks doing bookkeeping and accounting on old systems. And yeah, then then you're lucky to get it, you know, 30 days after the end of the month. Yeah. That's actually a great quote. We should print that out put on t-shirts, frame it like that. It should be the driving man, uh, mantra. Well, what's the quote? You know, you, the, the quote, it's, it's almost impossible to get these critical numbers in a timely manner from an outsourced accountant. Yeah. Basically, if, if, if you're not working at your firm to make your firm debunk that statement, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. Cause that, that's, that's horrible impression of our space. And I would love to hear from our listeners. If you are running an outsourced department, outsourced accounting team, what is your target for getting the numbers out to all of your clients? Is it the 15th of the month? Is it the 10th? Is it the 5th? Is it different depending on uh, how much they're paying you, what plan they're on? It certainly was for me. I really would love to know. So please uh, you know, get on Twitter and tweet at us. Yeah, I think this is a really strong statement. 
Um, what about the rest of it? They talk about quality control and uh, sales. Yeah. So the the other two areas that you shouldn't outsource is one is quality control. So if you're a product based business, it's totally fine to outsource manufacturing and fulfillment and all that. But you should have the product sent to you so that you can inspect it and make sure that it's you know good, right? Before you uh, deliver it to customers. So that's that's I I can't see a fault with that. And then of course sales, right? Um, you're never going to be able to hire somebody on a contract basis to do sales for you nearly as well as you will be because you're passionate about the product, hopefully, if you started a business. Uh, this is a problem that a lot of accountants face is they go out uh, into business for themselves and they say, oh, I don't want to do sales. And then they try to you know, hire somebody else to do it um, or they try to contract it out and I, I, it just never works. You've got to really believe in it enough to go out and make your own sales. And learn that skill, right? That, that part, uh, that yeah. skill set is part of your uh, inventory. Yeah. That, I mean, that was the number one thing that I learned when I had my own firm was how to sell, how to talk to business owners. Totally worth it, but also horribly painful for several, many years <laughs> until I kind of figured out what I was doing. No, that's a, this is a good article. Um, and I think you're right. If, if people can read this article and take, have takeaways for their own firm, with the exception of the outsourcing your county, I guess if you have your own firm, maybe you should still do that for your own firm. But I've actually talked to have you met, I've actually talked to people in our space who have their own firm, and they actually don't like doing their own books, and they have somebody else do their books for them. Which I found That's pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, uh, what's the shoemaker's kids, right? And their shoes, that, that phenomenon. Yeah, I'm I'm about uh, like six months behind on my own books. I'm I'm li- I'm doing that too. But hey, uh, let's not get stuck on this. You've got a a great, um, interesting article on security. Yeah, so this just came out this morning. Um, the FBI warns hackers are exploiting remote desktop protocol, so RDP. And so I think this could be another article filed under the quit trying to do pseudo cloud, right? <laughs> like like if you want remote, you need remote. You need your clients remote. You probably should move to SaaS, right? You need to move to online accounting systems, your SaaS uh, cloud-based apps, and kind of move on, uh, move on away from these older protocols. Um, so they said these attacks have been increasing since 2016, and they do have some um, list on. Uh, actually, before we do that, just to work backwards, I, remote desktop protocol. Do you want to define that from your terms? Yeah, well, so um, I've actually I haven't used it all that much myself, but uh, uh, I did when you know that was the only way I could access a computer at work. So this is the program in Windows uh, Remote Desktop Protocol, which you you load that up on like your laptop, and you can you can remote into that you know desktop computer at the office, right? You just put in your username and password, and you get in, right? Yeah, and it's super convenient, right? You could set that up on your client. You just from your from your home or your office, you could just get in there and control. It's like having a long keyboard and mouse and you can control your client's computer. Well, the problem is in order to do that, you're kind of leaving a door open, right? And hopefully only somebody with the right key can open that door. But if your passwords are weak, people can just get in and then there's full control of that computer. Well, and that's the problem, right? Because it uses your username and password that you use to log into the computer. And a lot of people make that really easy because they don't want to have to remember a big, long password. You know, if you're using password one, two, three, four as your login or like your company name as your login or something, it's pretty easy for a hacker to run a brute force program that that cracks that password. Right. Yeah. And then the FBI goes on in the article to talk about apparently 
there's different kinds of ransomware. And they, they talk about that. I, I think it's just for most people, hey, it's ransomware, it's ransomware, right? So they're just uh, getting some details on that. But it does have some ways to protect yourself. Um, it's, it's a lot of it's things we've talked about here, right? I, I don't like to say, like to folks that are comfortable using remote desktop and they're not ready to move to a completely cloud environment, like there are some better alternatives that will still give you what you want without with better security, like a hosting solution where you use a virtual desktop that you remote into. You know they can prevent these kind of attacks because their servers. A great example is like Abacus Next, for instance, right? Their servers are monitoring um, for attacks, and if somebody keeps trying to log in and they're just trying to brute force by trying different password combinations, they'll get locked out. Right there, so that company is monitoring security in a way that your PC at the office is not set up to do. Yeah, in a way, like why does Windows just have this built in? Like after you know ten password tries, it's disabled. Right, so we have to manually yeah. re-enable it on the physical machine. I don't know because then everybody would be calling Microsoft saying, "Why am I locked out of my computer?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and then a lot of this is use two-factor authentication, um, strong passwords. It's the typical stuff we talk about. It feels like every week on here, you know, um, have a good, reliable backup strategy. Um, And then, uh, you know, there's there's some logging mechanisms where you can keep track of who's logged in and where. And you probably should enable those. You can reboot those logs. Yeah, you use a password manager, right? I mean, that's such an easy way to improve the quality of your passwords. Like if you're using easy passwords because you have a hard time remembering them, sign up for LastPass. And then auto-generate really complex long passwords that are you know, 12 characters or more that are random. And then you just have to copy paste those from LastPass whenever you log in. Uh, it, that is such a simple way to increase your security just dramatically and get your whole team doing that. Oh, t- totally agree. Uh, you got another one? Yeah. So this is from Accounting Fly, my favorite site for people looking for remote accounting work uh, on their blog. This article is called Six Things Your Remote Accountant Policy Should Include but probably doesn't. So let's go through the list, shall we? Okay. Number one, restrict work to VPN slash remote desktop on approved hardware. Oh, hey, that that's what we were just talking about. So the idea is um, you don't want your remote accountants using their own laptops, which may include software that has been compromised, uh, to log in to your, to your apps. So you provide them with a computer and only allow them to log in to those cloud apps on that computer. Yep. Number two, unify remote access via a single client portal. So, uh, for instance, here at uh, Flowcast, we use an app called Okta, uh, which is a single sign-on application. Uh, I have to log into Okta before I can get into any of our cloud apps. So I can't get into Expensify without going through Okta first. I I can't get into Google Apps without going through Okta first. Everything um, possible. And the benefit is that Okta is, is... restricted to two-factor authentication. So I have to get a code on my phone to log into Okta. And if I ever left the company, then our administrator can just disable my Okta access, which automatically kicks me out of all the 20 applications I have access to. That makes sense. That makes sense. Number three, limit login locations. So uh, you can use IP address filtering to force uh, your uh, remote accountants to only log in from, say, their city or state um, or the United States or wherever they live so that a hacker in Russia can't log in. That's a good one. Number number four, require training sessions. I think that's something that a lot of people just forget when you're used to an office environment. You forget that you need to train people extra when they're remote. 
Number five, ensure expectations are communicated upfront and regularly evaluated. Number six, leave room for flexibility and updates. So a good example of that is, um, you know, if, if if your team, your remote team is using Slack uh, for team chat, then the question is, how often do they need to be on it? How frequently throughout the day, if that's like how you're tracking presence, basically them sitting at their desk, mm-hmm. you should define that, right? Say how long it needs, they need to be there. So those are the seven, no, six uh, tips for building out your remote accountant policy. And uh, I'll put that link in the show notes. I think it's really, really well done. But then the best tip at the end, which is like, worry about this less just by re- recruiting and hiring the best remote accountants. <laughs> People have done it before, right? Well, yeah. but that's hard because not a lot of accountants have actually worked remote. So it's a chicken and egg problem, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to like re- recruit uh, accountants that, that are you know working in industry now and ha- are sitting in a cubicle somewhere, you're going to have to do a lot of upfront training to get them comfortable with working remote. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a new uh, new paradigm. Um, so, I mean, that's that's why probably the best thing to do to start if you're building out a remote company is to just recruit people regionally so that if necessary, they can, you know, drive an hour or two and sit in person with you for, you know, at least a couple of weeks and then go remote, right? Whereas if you hire somebody clear across the country, it's going to be really hard to train them uh, unless you've done it before that way. Got it. And I have an article that, just a cousin article about this, we can just put in the show notes, we don't have to discuss it, but um, it's three legal and liability tips freelance remote accountants must consider. And so it's, it's, it's a very cousin related article to this. Um, so oh, yeah. and, that, show notes. And, and actually there's a lot you need to consider uh, hiring accountants out of state for your firm because uh, now with the sales tax ruling uh, and more states taxing services, it could create, well, it does create nexus for your firm in these other states. You have to file income tax. It's, it, it's kind of crazy. So uh, you might want to talk with a firm that has done it before, before you go do it. And then do we have anything else? I think you had one more, right? Yeah, the last article today uh, is called Outsourced CFO Engagements, a Risk-Slash-Reward Perspective for CPA Firms. This appeared in CPA Practice Advisor. Three authors. Uh, the uh, one I know is, uh, we both know, is Garrett Wagner, uh, CPA in New York. So this is all about the risk of doing uh, advisory services, which I think we were talking about a few weeks ago, right, David? Yeah, there was a great article uh, you found. Yeah, so so this is sort of a great follow-up to that. Things that you need to consider before you offer these outsourced CFO services, or if you are offering them, make sure that you take a look at this right away. So I'll just go through it real quick and be sure to read the full article to to get all the details because it goes it goes into great detail. So first is you got to look at your insurance policy. A lot of professional liability policies exclude coverage when you are acting as an employee, manager, officer, or director of a client, and outsourced CFO services could be construed as as doing that. And so, therefore, uh, if something happens, if one of your VCFOs gets in trouble, you might not be covered. So, you want to make sure that uh, you are covered for that kind of stuff, and then uh, engagement letters. We talked about engagement letters last time. You want to spell out the scope clearly in your engagement letter of what exactly you are doing and be sure to explicitly disclaim responsibility to detect and prevent fraud and make sure that the client knows that you're not going to do that. Another uh, another great thing to do is make sure that all your clients are insured for internal misappropriations. So if, if there is fraud, uh, if their staff are stealing, that you aren't held responsible for it. And then make sure that you yourself 
are insured for staff misappropriations from your firm. So if if, if your person doing bill pay uh, is doing some embezzlement, uh, you need to make sure that you're covered for that. And then uh, lastly, de- definitely make sure that you aren't engaged to do any audit or review because VCFO will impact your independence and you can't do those both those things. So you may have to make some tough choices. I think this episode uh, within the uh, Making Tax Digital has been the outsource episode. It's, everything's about remote access or outsourcing. Oh, that's true. We, we somehow, we didn't plan this, but it became a theme. Yes. Cool. So, uh, Blake, I think that's it. So if people want to communicate with you, give us feedback, want to uh, give us an article we should discuss on the show, what's the best way to reach you? Tweet at me. I'm at Blake T. Oliver. And how about you, David? Uh, you can tweet at me, at David Leary. David, it was great talking. I'll, I'll uh, see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye, everybody.